Hey everyone, this is Catherine. I am recording this week in New York City. So while I did my best to edit out some of the noise, you may hear ambulances, music, thunderstorms, who knows what else. Hope you enjoy being serenaded by it. Thanks for your understanding. Hello. Hey everybody. Thanks for coming back to Unsensational. So happy you're still here. Yeah, it's great. Um, we're recording this on the first day of November. So I'm a little bit in mourning, but a little bit excited. So this episode today uh, is brought to you by the letter B. For vegan, because today is World Vegan Day, so everyone, go vegan and eat pussy. <laughs> There's an Instagram that I started following recently. It's called Siblings or Dating. Yes. And I love it. I love it. I keep meaning to make that into a drinking game. Oh, maybe I'll oh, maybe I'll do that with my friends the next time I see them. Oh, that would be great. Yes, yeah, siblings or dating. So this I love. So in their in their story, their Instagram story, they post pictures of a couple. Well, a couple of people in a picture together. And you have to figure out, do you think that they're siblings or do you think that they're dating? And it's based off like the body language, what do they look like, all this shit. And I love it because you vote and then you actually learn whether they're siblings or dating. And I have to tell you, it can be so frustrating because sometimes I'm like, nope, I nailed it. I know for a fact, there's no way that these people could possibly be related. They're definitely dating. Look at their body language. Look at what they look like. Nope. Turns out they're dating. Turns out they're married. Like it just, it, um, it's frustrating and it makes me sad, but it does make me think about as you and I both know, I mean, do I want to be with her or do I want to be her? Sometimes it's a lesbian urge to merge. And sometimes it's just finding people that have your exact aesthetic and going right with it. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And so it's nice to see. I have been waiting to make that a drinking game because that is also just a brilliant idea for a social media account, first off. But then I'm just always, as COVID travels on throughout the year of 2020 and into next year, got to look for different ways to keep yourself engaged. And by drinking, yeah. game, it can be alcohol if you're of legal age. It can just be a drinking game to rehydrate and use water. Use whatever the hell you want. Honestly, it doesn't matter. But siblings or dating is one of them. Another one that I was delighted to stumble upon. I'm sorry, I can't credit the original TikTok creator, but someone made a drinking game for the Great British Bake Off, the current series that's on Netflix. And I played that this morning with water, actually. Um, <laughs> but a huge shout out to them. I find that I like having a longer show to watch on Sunday mornings to help like wake me up and ease into it. It's just like a really soothing self-care thing that I think I really enjoy. And The Great British Bake Off is currently my episode. So just, 
I mean, this past week they had a Japanese episode and you had to take a sip every time someone used soy sauce in one of their bakes. <laughs> Earlier in quarantine, when I was out with my friend, when I was living with her, we, yeah, we had drinking games. We tried to, it was not the hydration one, like you're saying, but we did do a drinking game for Space Jam. And I have to tell you, the rules that we found for Space Jam, I almost died within the first like 10 minutes because the intro, I think one of the rules was drink every time somebody makes a basket. Well, the intro is nothing but a ball going through the net nonstop from different shots. So I'm pretty sure I went through like eight beers maybe she went through eight beers i have no idea just in the intro and it wasn't so much that we were drunk but like all that carbonation in such quick succession we had to pause it and like (laughs) let everything settle (laughs) we almost died and we were like look if we do this again if we do this again with space jam we absolutely have to just not do the intro or we need to find like take six drinks during the intro finish a beer during the intro or something because it was it was i was uncomfortable with the amount of effervescence in my body (laughs) that was bubbling the last time that i got like that drunk from a drinking game was watching bombshell and we had to cut out one of the rules that i have not seen that movie i know that i wanted to but i didn't end up doing it i i there was another one that came out around that time that i always confused it with and i don't think it's because it was about the same topic i think there were just another bunch of blonde white women in the same movie but i think it was a comedy and so i couldn't keep them straight in my brain either (laughs) I speaking of blonde white woman, what an amazing segue, Joe. This is perfect. Something else that I'm watching is Mrs. America. It is a mini series produced by FX, and I'm watching it on Hulu. Not a sponsor, however, it is a show which follows the movement to ratify the ERA or the Equal Rights Amendment. So this is showing two different sides of the story, the conservative side and the second wave feminist side. So we have characters representing Gloria Steinem, Betty for Dan, and Phyllis Shapley is the main uh, woman on the conservative side. So this all happened during the 1970s in the US and, you know, of course helps to shape our political landscape as, as those things do. Yeah. But it has Phyllis Shafley is portrayed by Kate Blanchett, um, who also Phyllis Shafley was uh, blonde as well, which is where my, my segue was going. You did very well. And it's terrifying to see some things that we're talking about in the 1970s are still being discussed today, especially about, I mean, one entire episode was dedicated to abortions and a woman's right to her own body. Nothing's really changed there or progressed within, you know, 50 years. I was wondering what was happening with your face. Sorry, folks. My brain, my brain was going to say something like, oh, nothing's really progressed in 30 years. And then my brain stopped and I was like, that's wrong. That's very, very wrong. And I had to literally count out the decades just to you make sure I You guys couldn't see her face, but I can. And literally it looked like she saw 
something like traumatic happen in front of her and then she went blank and then she was just like 50 50 years but it has had some wonderful lines in it if men could get pregnant abortion would be a sacrament also heard that about covid sorry folks but if covid made your dicks fall off it would probably have taken all of like seven men before we would have been staying inside with masks mm-hmm also one of the things they keep talking about with the era is "Ooh, if that was passed then our daughters are going to get drafted into the war you don't want that folks do you and it's i don't want my sons in war any more than i want my daughters in war right great stance love that but one that is specifically talked about was horizontal hostility which is a term i hadn't really heard before and it was fun to witness because i was watching the episode with my partner and we immediately had two different interpretations of it it was in the context of a a group of black women kind of met every sunday to just hang out talk about politics and stuff and two were kind of standing away in the kitchen Uh, One was talking about how she didn't want a member in this group because of her lesbianism. Didn't want to be tainted by that. And the kind of main character or leader of this, this group kind of came through and said, well, I'm about supporting women, but none of this horizontal hostility. Butchered that quote, but you get where I'm going. And I was like, ooh, I was like, what a fun term to use. I was like, I think this is something that we've kind of alluded to before, but if you are in this kind of group of people, hostility amongst that group for how can you kind of further discriminate or separate yourselves from from them? And my partner viewed it as horizontal hostility because she was talking about someone being a lesbian. So literally what you do when you're horizontal and someone having hostility towards you for that. And I was like, what an amazing interpretation. (laughs) And it's funny because my knowledge of horizontal hostility and the way that I've heard it used and have relationship to that idea is with lateral whorephobia so in sex work, regardless of what kind of work you do, you know, what you call the work that you do, whether you, some people prefer dancer, stripper, full service sex worker. Some people still prefer the term prostitution or prostitute, even though that's in many circles kind of old speak, kind of. It's not something that's often used, no matter what your work is, but the idea that just because your the way that you present yourself the type of work that you do you have different boundaries than i do and if your boundaries don't adhere to my idea of what it means to be a good moral upstanding worker you're terrible and that's awful so it kind of marries those two because it it can happen especially in sex work if people are saying like oh you know i'd be willing to do you know, ABC for this money. But if you're willing to do X, Y, Z, oh my gosh, you have no boundaries and no respect for yourself. I can't, you know, I can't respect you as a person because of your boundaries and expectations. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with the concept, but it's funny that I got to marry those two uh, (laughs) together. 
it makes a lot of sense. And this is something that I think we're going to hear talked about a lot and it will continue to be misinterpreted is the idea of horizontal hostility because um, Amy Cohen Barrett, she is a woman. She is now a Supreme Court justice. I am not going to support her just because she is a woman. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that that is horizontal hostility just because she's a woman and I'm a woman. I want people to have access to health care. And yes, I believe that abortion is health care. So I want people to have access to that. I don't want to limit what other people can do with their bodies just because I believe one thing or the other. I think that people are smart enough. I think that when you invest in education and invest in your communities and you provide people excellent resources, they can make decisions about their own being. That's where she and I differ about a lot of different things. Just because she's a woman doesn't mean you have to support her, especially when she is in a place of power. And I think that not enough people are looking at that power dynamic for whether or not, oh, you should just support a woman. You have you have a woman there. No, I have I have a woman overlord now. Thanks. You, you elected another woman to be an overlord. Cool. I don't care if my overlord is white or brown or black or any shade of any other color people come in. I don't care if if it's if my overlord is a man or a woman or neither or both or sometimes floats in between, I don't want an overlord, especially one that's going to limit me. So no, I'm not going to support her just because she's a woman. When when we talk about having people, having people at the table who look like the people you're making decisions about, I do think it's important. I'm not saying that we should have nobody, you know, nobody making decisions for anyone, but you have to make decisions with people. And looking at her background, she would not be making decisions with me. She doesn't stand for me. And that's where I think people are going to get twisted with the horizontal hostility. What do you mean? She's a woman. You're a woman. Don't. She's she's a boss, babe. Ooh, ooh. Got up to the Supreme Court. Go you, babe. Oh, my God. Women finally moving up. Make your place. Because we're going to be so proud. Don't fuck you. Get out of here with that. That's not the way horizontal hostility works. It's not. Thank you for letting me rant. You're welcome. It was a great TED talk. I'm glad I could be there so, <laughs> to listen to it. Also, not a sponsor. But what you were saying was really ring true because that's Amy Coney Barrett is now a member of our Supreme Court that's at the federal level. I've even seen this on the state level in local elections. So I live in Connecticut, many signs around the place. So I was starting to look up some names for who folks were kind of supporting. Uh, as I was driving throughout the state. And one name popped out to me that really relates to what you were talking about, Joe. Ellie Cusidis, and I apologize. I probably mispronounced her last name. Um, in Connecticut is running for the a Senate seat. And she is someone who is a woman, young, and a person of color. 
And I was like, ooh. And she is a member of the Republican Party. And I felt like I was being seduced by that, which is something I believe has happened before in other elections. But I felt that was for anyone who may be displeased with Trump or even displeased with whatever political party you happen to be a member of, Republican, Independent, Democrat. Hey, look, at least there's this one person who, look at how representative they could possibly be. Exactly. Yep. We've talked about that before in movies, how you have, unfortunately, whether it's queer baiting, whether it's, I don't know if you would call it feminist baiting or even millennial baiting, but like there's, you have one bit of color. And if you're going to have a queer person, they're probably a queer person of color with a disability and their partner died and like everything that you would want to spice up anything with is in this one person. So it's frustrating when you see life imitate movies instead of movies imitating life with that. It's frustrating. And it's not to say that I think that every woman has to believe the same things that you and I do. I I don't want to say that any person of color has to believe the things that you and I do, that any young person has to believe the same things that you and I do. But again, by believe in those sentiments, I mean politics. I don't mean like basic human rights. Eight. Yep. Those aren't involved. Okay. Those are not up for debate. They should never be. Ever. Never. That's a line that I've learned to draw recently as well. Now, age old of, oh, I don't support Trump, but I'm still a member of the Republican Party. Fuck off. Mm-mm. I saw a commercial and it was talking about it was someone who is a Republican and is ashamed of being a Republican because they don't like the the party as it is. And they said that we should go we need to create a party or reclaim this party and kick these other fuckers out because this is what Republicans used to be. And they played some snippets of different, different president speeches who are Republicans and listening to them. I was like, damn, like that sounds like what a Democrat would say now. Oh, and it was just perfect. in in one commercial that, I mean, this person, I obviously did very different math problems, but got to the same fucking answer of we have moved so far right that right now, things that Democrats are saying 50 years ago were Republican platform staples. Staples. So if you want to talk about right to left, our, the quote unquote left side party, the liberal party right now, is running on a Republican platform, strong Republican platform. So yeah, when when we say that the Republican Party right now is far right, and that it does involve some <clears throat> alt-right, which is really just saying Nazi ideation, yeah, hell yeah it does. It's not far left to say, hey, Catherine, I want you to have control over the decisions made about your body. I think you deserve that as a person. I was just watching a TikTok on that that 
I think I came across this morning, either you sent it to me or it was on my For You page, but it was talking about how until 1979, the leading evangelical church stance on abortion was that life began at the first breath, not conception. Yep. And that was still the stance for years after Roe versus Wade. And then they kind of switched and did a little 180, decided to focus on abortion, not as a moral cause, but instead for Jimmy Carter, I believe, and to get him out of the office because tax exemptions were being denied to racially segregated schools in the U.S. Uh So... It all comes back to racism. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. The other thing is that I, again, an age-old question that we may not have an answer to, but at what point in time did it become, these are my personal views influenced by my own morality and or religion. Therefore, you should not do this because I think it's wrong. Not, I'm going to do this because I think it's wrong or because this is what I'm following for my own teachings. Like I was just thinking back to an example that I've encountered in the workplace, someone in the office who is Muslim. He is not around events where there is alcohol. That is against his own personal religion. He is not walking around shaming everyone in the office anytime that we see a spot of alcohol for like after work drinks or if we're having like a special celebration at the end of the day. No, it's something that he will remove himself from the situation because it's his own personal beliefs, not something that he's forcing upon others. And again, that just seems a basic level of respect and understanding. And I I don't know what that turning point was for I'm going to crucify you instead. I like that you use that word because I would like to, I'm going to throw out a few things, but I am going to tell you we're going to end with evangelists. Cool. Actually, you know, I'll throw out one other thing. I'm going to throw out the Crusades. It is a direct fucking line. A direct line to go from the crusades to evangelism the idea that i have this answer and i love you so much i will kill you to provide you with this answer it's this very it's a bad it's an abusive relationship i love you so much you cannot do anything that would put this relationship in jeopardy And I love you so much that I would forcibly stop you. Like it's, it's awful. And it makes me feel like a lot of people growing up in the U S just suffer from Stockholm syndrome, which, and I'm sure other, if you're in a different country, I'm sure you guys are like, yeah, God damn it. Finally. No, I've I've known it for a bit, but it's like, it just, it suits this so well. I mean, we don't even see the puppet strings anymore. We've been so blind to it. No, we don't see them at all. You know, this idea of I want you to live life the way I lead my life because I'm happy and I want you to be happy. 
I mean, it's it stems from so many different places. We can say that that's, you know, a patriarchal thing of wanting control and wanting obedience. You can say that, you know, it's something that stems from, you know, the idea of wanting to give and provide help. So it could be this maternal thing where you want to coddle people and make them happy. It could be a cycle of abuse. It can be indoctrination. It can be the idea that you want to take everyone to heaven with you because your personal heaven is this happy little neighborhood with all your friends in it. And so it's a selfish reason because you want your friends to go to heaven with you. I mean, there, there there's so many different things here that would, that play into it, but we end at the idea that you can now, especially since COVID church is televised, always has been for a long time has been. Mm -hmm. Now it's even easier. Facebook streams to you. Mm-hmm. easy go on facebook live check in say what's up to your priest i mean this this stuff that it's baffling to me your comment about that for church has always been televised or this is not a new concept at the very least um it's just you kind of had to just get behind the idea and make sure your church had the right equipment to provide uh-huh. this for everyone uh-huh. reminded me of those again those churches um, in which healings would be performed mm-hmm. in church seem to be rather absent during the time of COVID hmm. Hmm. for their patrons who must be suffering. Hmm. Weird. Fascinating, huh? The idea that other people have to live the way that you want to live is bizarre to me. I, again, I do think there are certain inalienable things that we need to be very strict on. Things that happen of a sexual nature should be between two consenting adults. Two or more. I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you. Actually, that's really important. And I'm even iffy on adults because I don't want to say that a 16-year-old can't explore sexually. Things that happen of a sexual nature should be between two or more consenting individuals. That's it. Full stop. The end. That's That's it. it. (laughs) And if you use that as the basis for what you do, you're not going to go wrong. And if you do, it's going to be clear. I don't think that, I don't, I think as the rule, but with many exceptions, You shouldn't kill other people. I'm going to say it. You shouldn't kill other people. Mm -hmm. I do think that if someone has reached a point in their life where they are wanting to make their exit, not because they are sad or not because of any um, trigger or emotional response, but they've gotten to a point where they're ready to just be done. I think that should be available to people. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I think if I am being attacked in one way or another, and I happen to mm, defend myself and that person ends up unalive, I don't think I'm in the wrong there. I don't. 
again, there are certain things where like it just it just makes sense. Like don't <laughs> I hate to say that do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But like for real. Like if we just if we just stick with that, support <laughs> support the people around you, <clears throat> love them, don't fuck with them. You see someone struggling to carry their groceries, carry them in. Don't jump them. Jesus. I would never want to put what I believe onto someone else. That's part of why I actually don't want kids. I don't have to raise someone with this shit. I don't have all the right answers. I get that the important thing is like instilling in them how to ask questions, how to find the right answers, how to, I get that like that, that's supposed to be the ultimate goal. You don't give them the answers. You give them the opportunity and strength to ask those questions. Okay. Right before world war three during a pandemic. Uh... I video chatted with my mother this morning and she said not to freak you out, but here's our apocalypse plan. I didn't even know she thought about that. I didn't even know we had one, but it's gotten to that point where it's uh-huh. spanning just across multiple generations that, and I, I wasn't even, she was like, no, no, not to freak you out. And I'm like, no, I'm actually in no way freaked out by what you're saying. I didn't realize you had a plan. Thank you for sharing it with me. Yep. <laughs> That's good to know that our family has a plan. Great. Mm-hmm. It would be so terrifying. So fucking terrifying. And that's not, again, that's not to say I don't think people should have kids. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not going to. This is Catherine's tiny segment called We Talk About Heavy Topics. And now let's segue to something slightly related, but maybe just as intriguing. This may Mm -hmm. fail. It may succeed. We'll see where it goes. Concerning, we were talking about death a lot. Yeah. Hypothetically, if you were on death row, what would your last meal be, Joe? If I were on death row, my last meal. I put you on the spot. I shall answer first. Or what 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 I have as a point of reference, I thought was hysterical reading one time, is I forget exactly what was requested, but he requested something that was out of season just to be a jerk right until the very end that it would take them more time to go find it. Um, it was it was something like strawberries or salmon or something that at the time was just out of season. I'm like, what an amazing idea. Yeah, that's incredible. That's great. So I, so here's, and here's why I'm having pause because look, I have looked up many people's last meals. Okay. There was an artist that got together the food and took pictures of different people's last meals. Some big name people, some not. Yes. 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 Yep. Loved it. So again, for me, there's like the funny internet thing where it's like, ha, I want to eat nothing but, you know, popcorn kernels so that when they shoot electricity through me, like. Maybe it'll be hot enough that some of them pop or, you know, if they fry me, but then they, not that they, they, they would empty your stomach, but you know, then you go and get cremated that, oh, it'd be popcorn. It's funny. It's like, part of me has that funny joke in my brain. And then part of me is like, what I want my comfort food to be what I ate. And then what did I do to get on death row? Like, am I proud of it? I didn't realize that would affect your answer. 
well, yeah, like, did I deserve to be here, but I did something cool? I'm absolutely going to go with something that I've been waiting for and love, in which case, I mean, I would request my dad's homemade green chili. That's my favorite thing regardless. That's my 100% comfort food. There you go. Absolutely. A part of me is liking this idea of, you know, he picked something that was out of seasoned mm-hmm. uh, to just, you know, get them irked. I'm like, what if I just request foods that are illegal in the U.S.? Will will they give it to me? Will I actually have the last meal? Pufferfish? Shark fins? Who knows? It could be something like that. Brilliant. It could be something of... I feel like I would just go with like a hearty meal. Like a turkey and stuffing style or like Mm. a chicken and waffles style Mm -hmm. or maybe at that point since I'm dying anyway how about you just throw a various concoction of drugs into whatever I'm eating and could you imagine if someone did that if they're like I want weed brownies as my last meal thank you that'd be incredible well then I'm also thinking like I'm lactose intolerant so if I'm there wrongly then I would want everything with dairy in it so that I shit myself horribly when I die and they all have to put up with that stench. Yeah. So like for me, it's like, it's that kind of stuff for me where it's like, do I want to be a martyr or do I want to be petty? And I feel like I would want to find a way to be both. I like it. You know what? And now you have me thinking that now I just have to eat whatever I want anytime that I want it because you never know when your last meal could be. Oh, great point. And this is the point in the episode where we unintentionally cause you an existential crisis. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. My mom, a while ago, went vegan. It's World Vegan Day. Yeah. World Vegan Day 2020. World Vegan Day. Congratulations. I hope that in addition to animal rights, you're also fighting for the rights of all the people who are picking your food and providing you with the food that's on your table and the water that you're spoiling in order to make alternative types of meat and drink and that you're focusing on giving water rights back to people who are actively fighting against pipelines, actually drowning out all of their lands running through their reservations. Happy World Vegan Day to those vegans. And if you're just a vegan who does it because you want to shit on someone or feel morally superior, you can go fuck yourself. Is that, and and which uh, path was your story going to take, Joe? So you mentioned that your mother was trying veganism for a time. Was this a, was this a not only personal commitment, but a household commitment that no. ended up happening okay okay my mom went vegan oh boy nine years ago question mark oh wow it seems to do well for her though i mean she she likes it it's not for her it was like a change that she made she wanted to feel better in her body so and that's why i wanted to make the difference between like it's her food and not her lifestyle because i feel like a lot of people in the queer world it's more about a lifestyle change they want to along with sustainability and growing some of their own food they don't want to provide money to people who might be harming animals and i'm not saying that everyone who sells meat harms their animals but it can be 
challenging to know who does. And it can also be cost prohibitive to get meat that is raised humanely. And that can be tough for some queers. I mean, the amount that queers make compared to like a straight white man, especially like open queers, femme queers, gender non-conforming queers, especially those of color. As someone who is shorter than the national average of just like a woman's height, I also find that incredibly frustrating that the taller you are, the more successful you're going to be and the more money you're going to make. And I know that that's just one other aspect Mm -hmm. that goes into a way that people judge the covers and not the actual content. Yep, exactly. And that's where I think So looking at the income like that and then looking at the affordability and availability for people to get vegan food, I mean, it's, there's a huge discrepancy there. I mean, I would love to be able to, you know, start a massive garden. That's just a community garden. Of course, like that, that would be great. Of course, people can go and get their food. They can eat whatever they want. They can make stuff. It's grown healthily. It's for the community. You just walk outside and eat it. Of course, that'd be incredible. But not everyone has the space, not everyone has the money, not everybody has the time. That's that's one beef that I have with vegans. Looking at the way that food is produced in the United States, even if you try to go for the vegan stuff, it is so hard unless you're going to dial all the way down to being like, where was it grown? How was it grown? What pesticides were used on it? Like you have to start almost from there to feel like you're eating something that feels like food. I don't have time for that. I don't have money for that. We have fooled our listeners. This is actually an episode of Portlandia. You just didn't know it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but was it a happy home? Was he happy? I like that you said that, but you're the one wearing a beanie. It's true. Beautiful, beautiful. Sorry, we can we can jump to something else. I just it, the whole idea of people looking down on other people who eat differently from them or have to like sustain their body in a different way than them when they're not in the same socioeconomic place is it feels icky to me. Is the moral of the story in this podcast because just take out the veganism and replace it with own bodily autonomy religious rights morality it's kind of keeping oh go figure so what we're actually talking about isn't specific to the fact that oh joe and i hate republicans uh no we don't it is a certain thought mentality of superiority that we're trying to call attention to because it has negative i was gonna say negative for bad and negative consequences negative negative I love it. I swear I'm sober. <laughs> it is interesting to see how many times we we can have the same conversation about different topics. Hey, there's this thing, and I think everyone should have their own ability to make decisions about it. No, I think that no one should have the right to make a decision about this. Why? Because what I think is the right way. Cool. Like, for you. And I love that. I don't think everybody should be straight. I don't. Look, I I thought I was for a while. And it was rough. Okay. 
it, it just did not work for me. Not my cup of tea. But there are plenty of people who enjoy that cup of tea. Please enjoy your tea. I will be in the realm of like, not definitely people who drink iced coffee, but like sometimes it's an iced coffee. Sometimes it's a macchiato. Sometimes we add ice. Sometimes we don't hot, cold. It, like it, there's a lot. I love all beverages. And also sometimes non-beverages. Trying to find something that feels good to talk about. What feels good? Here is something that always makes me feel good. Neil Patrick Harris and his husband, their family Halloween costumes that they do every year are amazing they they have the i mean both of them kind of being entertainers i i think they love that fashion and costume aspect of it and their family that's got the the time and the money to put into it and this year they were willy wonka and the chocolate factory so their son was charlie david was willy wonka and then neil and his daughter were Ah, Baruka and her father. You're, you're right. You're right. That is, it's a happy thought. Halloween, Halloween is in the past. And that makes me happy. Yes, because we're recording on the first day of November. And this is why I'm talking about Halloween as if it was just yesterday, because it was literally just yesterday. You're right. You're right. And I know it's time for me to move on. Uh, but I appreciate you giving me those happy thoughts. Ooh, here's a fun, controversial topic. Oh. I also saw on social media that someone has, as their Halloween tradition, for the past, like, 10 years plus, that's when they put up the Christmas tree. That's their Halloween tradition. They put up the Christmas tree on Halloween. I have thoughts and feelings. We've already talked about how we feel about Thanksgiving. I wish it wasn't a day for a colonization celebration. I wish it were a day when you just got to spend time with those that make you thankful for things. And for that reason, I can understand why they would take the opportunity. Maybe they're not Thanksgiving people, so they take the opportunity to just go right from Halloween to Christmas. I understand that. I respect it. But Christmas has to stay in its goddamn lane. Look, I won't even, I, I won't quabble with you about whether it needs to be like the day after Thanksgiving or whatever, because you may not celebrate that. I will tell you, December 1st, Christmas. Interesting. Now, see, in my world, if I were to be like in my car for a ride, it's after Halloween. I have a couple of Christmas CDs. If one of those just happens to pop in, I'm fine with that. I am totally cool. I like to extend the season in that way i do think i'll be totally honest because mm-hmm. i always find that the time preceding a holiday has more excitement and enthusiasm of course uh-huh, uh-huh. and i am not someone that will from the christian tradition who will keep celebrating christmas until january when the epiphany is oh, celebrated no. so and putting it up on like December 1st until December 25th, I, this is kind of a short period of time. So 
whatever little ways that you want to celebrate Christmas sounds great to me. I am. I'm just really confused. They didn't at least wait. I will do this. I'm at mm-hmm. confused. They didn't at least wait until after Halloween. Cause that's something you could totally do today on mm-hmm. November 1st. Like mm-hmm. you are, you are encroaching upon the day of another holiday mm-hmm. and maybe they don't celebrate Halloween either. I don't know. I'm confused by it all. Yeah. I, I also have quite, and it, here's the thing for me, when I think of a tree going up, we don't have artificial trees. So three to four uh, weeks of a fresh tree is a long time for kindling it. to okay. be sitting there with lights. So we, we go get tree trees. We get tree trees. We bring the tree tree home. So for us, we usually try to get it around like the 10th or 11th so that we have like a good two weeks out of it. And it won't start really wilting until the new year. You, you can tell I'm from the plastic family. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you're like, that's a short time to have a tree up. I was like, damn, how, how crusty are your trees? that's what the little light bulb in your head was i was wondering what that was (laughs) yes yes that's exactly what it was well for me okay so here's the thing like i i love halloween i celebrate halloween the entire month of october okay i mean none of it this year because plague but usually like any haunted house that's within two hours of my home i go scary movies at least one every single night like i costume obviously probably part of a group gonna be doing stuff for halloween every single weekend love halloween nonstop. my family does do thanksgiving together but we put the christmas lights up before thanksgiving and then after thanksgiving dinner is the first time that we turn them on that's actually a really nice tradition so that's like the tradition swap so like after thanksgiving is done we've cleaned up we've had our desserts we're just literally hanging out yeah Spending time with one another, playing games, like reminding each other why we care about one another. Once it gets dark, the lights go on. And so that's like our transition over into Christmas time and being excited about Christmas. But for Christmas, probably not this year, but that's fine. But every other year, there's, um, we do stuff at the zoo. There's a parade. There's different museums do different things um there's something called camp christmas that came through and it was basically like you would walk through and there's all this history about how the idea of christmas has changed and what happens like i would do i will do everything christmas and after thanksgiving dinner i will absolutely start listening to christmas music but i will not listen to christmas music before thanksgiving i won't do it It's it's a hard no for me i need one at a time but when it's time I go all out. Hard. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> I do. I love it. I love decorating. I like that people are nice. This year, I, <laughs> I've i told a couple of my family members, but I haven't told everyone yet. We do, we do big gifts, little gifts. So you give a gift to everyone, but... There are some gifts that are big. You can spend like up to $50 on the person. And then ones that are small where you spend like up to, I think it was 20 or 25. And every year we look at like the cost of things. Can we actually afford to do it? And you can go in together with people. So if you're like, I only have 20 bucks, but this person wants, I don't know, a new golf club. You can pair with other people to get them something. I was unemployed for a year. 
I had no income. So my gifts will all be handmade. Which makes me feel like a little bit 1950s housewife, but also pretty queer where I'm like, I'll crochet you something. I'll cross stitch you something. I'll sew you something up. I can embroider something really cute for you. Do you have a pair of jeans that you want me to like put something nice on one of the pockets for you? I want my, I have a travel bag specifically for uh, period care products. And I'm so excited. I found like a red bag and it has like purple and gold on it. And I want like a little something stitched onto it or a little patch. That's basically like, I don't know, uh, empower her meant or vampire tea bags or something to that effect. So actually, see, I may take you up on that. See? Yeah, absolutely. That's something that will definitely be different for Christmas this year. I'm excited to do it. I'm pumped to be able to do it. I mean, I can, you know, I've made blankets for people before. I'm in the middle of making a blanket now. I can, you know, I'm pretty handy. Really, I've got myself some good housewife skills. I cook, I bake, I sew, cross-stitch, crochet, I clean. I do that thing that your mistress does too. You know. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> it is funny to look at, and this happened a while ago, you and I have talked about it, is the idea of what skills people have and why. And I get that in the apocalypse, like you need to make sure that there's someone who can forage for food. There needs to be someone that can build stuff. And that's where like, in the apocalypse, I feel like lesbians are going to do really well in lesbian communities, or I should say queer people are going to do really well in queer communities because like, they're so invested in, in knowing how to do the things. You have the woodworkers, you have the gardeners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when I think about that and I think about like what it would look like, it, it makes me happy to know that a while ago it was like, these aren't like women's skills, men's Like these are life skills. You need to know how to cook a piece of chicken so you don't make yourself ill. Like that's not, that's not a woman's thing. That's not being femme. That's not being feminine and losing your masculinity. You're, you're, you're human. You gotta, you should know how to do that. You should know how to wash your laundry. That's it. Just know how to do it. And here's a fun fact. They all come with tags, which provide you instructions for how to do it, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. From social media, I saw, <laughs> I saw that there was a mom that does all the laundry in the household and therefore the kids in the households that don't do their own laundry they don't have a closet she keeps all of their clothes in a specific separate laundry room to make it easier for her to do the laundry so that if they want to come downstairs and get their clothes that's where they have to go. If they want their clothes in the closet in their room, then they have to take on doing the laundry. What? Fascinating. And I was like, whoa, one, the ability for you to have a laundry room that's that big that can have yeah. like, clothes for multiple people. Whoa. Yeah. The privilege. Second, <gasps> this is some good stuff that you're doing. <laughs> to show that it's not all about privilege so good for you right well I think I think that's something where it's different in different communities but I think I can say across the board 
and most people will agree, a lot of parents raise their daughters and coddle their sons. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've noticed when I have dated men is to teach them how to do certain things is frustrating. I don't want to finish raising your kid. I'm not interested in it. That's something that for me will quickly turn me off. I know that there are some people I've, I've worked with someone once who like, to me, it almost seemed like there was like a mother son play that was happening sometimes. So I asked about it because I was like, hey, like, is this a dynamic that you're doing? And if it is, I don't want to be part of those scenes. She's like, no, that's just, he just doesn't know. So I'm helping him. I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me that, dude, he, kids in his mid-20s, almost 30s, and you're, you still have to raise him to do this stuff? Well, yeah, but it's fine. No, 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 no. You don't need to raise him. You don't need to raise him. And so for the women that are willing to do that, God bless you. You must have something super maternal in you and patient. I don't have the patience. If you don't know how to do your laundry, do your dishes, just clean up a little bit. I'm not even saying like do a deep scrub every week, but like, I don't know, sweep your floors maybe. If you don't want to do that every week, get a Roomba. Do your laundry and don't plop all the clean things on the floor. And then leave them there for weeks. I don't like. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, it's something that I've noticed. And it's something that I think that whether it's because of trying to be really good kids, that queers did stuff when they were younger to try to not get in trouble because they felt like something inside of them was bad anyway, or if it was because they were kicked out of their home. So they had to learn to be an adult right away. Or um, I don't know, maybe they were just raised in a home where like, if you were part of the home, you helped take care of the home. So yeah, I'm not going to ask the 10 year old to go clean out the gutters, but like taking out the trash because we all use it and this is our home and we're a community and we do it together is absolutely appropriate. So I don't know where it comes from, but I feel like women and queers have something going where they can be human. And taking out the trash is still a responsibility for your son, even if trash day happens to fall on the day that he's had soccer practice and he's really tired. Mm-hmm. That's something that, so <laughs> although we know how I feel about kids and I'm definitely disinterested in having them, I have nannied and babysat a lot. In fact, out before COVID, I still did. And probably after COVID, I still will have so much experience with the children <laughs> i do damn you really like, do yes for just for just a woman that does not want children themselves you really have so much experience with them i do i, I do. have no experience at all so i shall just listen attentively <laughs> and your wisdom but it's so much fun to watch some parents who you know even when they're little they're toddlers you know they share the fact that you know these are your toys you're responsible for them like if it breaks because you didn't pick it up then unfortunately that's something that we have to deal with if you if something is an accident and you were doing what you were supposed to do and things happen we can have a conversation about that but teaching little boys little girls whoever but from a young age like again here's your responsibility yes you're tired and you just want to go to bed it's still important for us to pick these up and because you're tired and i care for you i will happily help you ask me for help sometimes when you're tired and i can help you 
teaching kids to that things are their responsibility. They can ask for help. It's okay to be tired sometimes and let people know. I've really seen some parents push really hard with that. And I'm talking about, I've been around some kids for years, like going from barely talking toddler until like they're in third or fourth grade. I've been around some of these kids. So watch watching how these parents are raising kids sometimes it does give me hope sometimes it doesn't and i just stop going around to those families but sometimes it does where i'm like damn like you are raising you are raising sons that are kind and compassionate and use their feeling words and want to talk and you are raising daughters that don't take shit and are capable and able and even though the kids butt heads because fucking siblings butt heads sometimes it just happens. They help each other get better all the time. And so watching parents do stuff where like, yeah, no matter what your age is, like you have a list of things that you need to do. And they talk about their family as a community, which for me, I know it pairs well with my queer experience. Like you, you build your community and there are certain things that you do take care of in your community, whether your community is, you know, just your friends, your, your neighborhood, people you go to bars with people you're in groups with, but like you have a certain role, you have something that you can give back to the community and you should. And that's what makes me think that queer kids, you know, there are only a few ways that we got this information, if not from a happy, lovely, wonderful childhood. However, we hope that you had a happy, lovely time with us here on the podcast. Thank you for listening. You can and should subscribe, rate, review, unsensational, wherever you're listening to us. That would be great. Just do it. Uh, you can find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where Unsensational JK on all platforms. Send us your topic suggestions via email to unsensationalpodcast at gmail.com or via the contact page on our website, unsensationalpodcast.com. Throw money at us, patreon.com slash unsensational JK. Do it. This has been Unsensational. Until next time, everyone, stay queer. Stay queer.